example. Let's say you try and fix your addiction with alcohol. Well, you stop drinking, but then you start shopping, right? You've just actually moved the addiction and you've solved maybe the surface level problem of the alcoholism, but you've moved the root cause that is still unsolved in another direction. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a phenomenal guest to share with you today, founder and lead visionary of Creative Age Consulting Group. Emerald Green Forest is an internationally known speaker, transformation artist, Be the Change Movement to Watch award winner, and one of America's premier experts. She's the executive producer and hostess of the Apple Top 100 ranked Men on Purpose podcast and the Apple Top 75 ranked Wickedly Smart Women podcast and is hired to consult with high achieving leaders who are called to be the vanguard of the creative age. That alone sets us up for an incredible discussion. Emerald, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Richard. It is a pleasure to be here on The Daily Helping. This is going to be so much fun. Emerald, I, I have to ask because I'm sure this is on everybody's mind who's hearing this, Emerald Green Forest. Is that your real name? It is Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. And uh, yes, that is definitely my real name. It's on my bank accounts. It's on my tax returns. It's on my license. It's all over the place. Now, what would have been the name on your birth certificate? Ah, uh, we don't even go there because <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually the name when I, when, um, so so what happened is I had a major life transformation. Um, and this is actually the second time that my name changed. I, uh, before I was Emerald Green Forest, my name was Amethyst Wildfire. And I was Amethyst Wildfire for about 13 years. And that was through a spiritual uh, transformation process. And then I had a family rupture in 2016. And as a result of that rupture, I was given a new name. And the new name was Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. And within three days, I was at the courthouse making all the changes. And they told me, you can change your birth certificate if you'd like. So if you went to the courthouse to pull my birth certificate, my, my birth certificate now says Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. It, this is becoming like an X-Files like conspiracy kind of <laughs> thing where all of the evidence from the past has been transformed and changed. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. This is wild. All right. So, you know, and, and I have a feeling this is going to be more of a, a spiritual discussion than we often have on the show. So that's kind of refreshing too. So are, are you willing to talk to us about this journey you've been on and, and what some of these big experiences were that really shaped you into who you are today and what you're doing? And then I sure. want to talk about the creative age, but let's start there. Yeah, well, and it, they all go together. They all go together. So the creative age is the, the time that we're living in now, and we can get to that once we get through a little story. So 
up until 2001, I was in the real estate business. I was uh, at the end of that career, I was the national chairperson for my trade association. So if you're doing forensics, you can maybe look some stuff up. Uh, I was the national chairperson of my trade association. I was uh, in a partnership with two guys. We built and sold 51 single family houses, 56 apartments and an office building. And I had a spiritual awakening. And as a result of that spiritual awakening, which was initiated primarily with a lot of trauma, there was a lot of trauma that happened uh, in my life, family trauma that happened in my life in 1999, 2000, and into 2001. And as a result of that trauma, I started a yoga practice. And the yoga practice really started to open me up in ways that uh, you know, were unexpected and uh, ultimately resulted in me receiving the name Amethyst Wildfire, which I carried for 13 years. And then in 2016, there was a massive rupture in my family. Um, my son had a heroin addiction. And uh, as a result of that heroin addiction, went way down the tubes and we had multiple uh, suicide attempts and uh, it culminated in the night in the basement when he locked me in the basement and uh, told me he was going to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. Wow. And uh, as a result of that rite of passage, when I was able to get out, thankfully I was able to get out. I, I got out through the bulkhead. I live in New Hampshire, so we have bulkheads here. Got out through the bulkhead and. Uh, ran to the forest and they arrested, the police came and arrested him. And, and within three days, I was, uh, you know, looking at the, the remnants of the life that I had created and uh, was in meditation and a new name just kind of came right up through my heart center. And I heard in my meditation, you're Emerald now. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that on top of all the rest of this. But having had a name change previous it was clear. And so within three days after that, I was at the courthouse making the changes. It's interesting. There's so much to take from all of that. And, and it's powerful. Obviously, what you went through with your son is, is highly traumatic. You call that a rite of passage. I'm curious as to why you use that, that wording. Well, so part of my journey has been when I had my spiritual awakening uh, back in 2001, I began working, I was doing yoga, but I also began working with stones and crystals. And then I ended up uh, apprenticing to a woman learning crystal healing. And then she asked me if I wanted to be her apprentice in shamanism, which I didn't even know what she was talking about, but I said, yes. And so I actually ended up between 2001 and 2007, roughly that time frame, 2006, I was in a process of learning shamanic healing and shamanic uh, journey work and mythic mapping and soul retrieval and rites of passage and all of these things. And so as I went through that rite of passage, which essentially was the rite of passage of my son leaving the nest and me leaving the role of full-time mother and moving into the role of what we can now, now call elder, right? I had the framework in my own mind of what was happening. So it allowed me to make meaning of everything that happened and also to see literally the mythic level of how this was all playing out, even to the point where when I got out of the basement and I, 
I was literally birthed out of the basement. I was birthed out of the basement um, and went to the forest and called the police. The person who came to get me out of the forest, the officer, his name was Officer Friend. And it like, you can't even, you can't even make this stuff up. His name was Officer Friend. And so I was able to hold the entire experience as a rite of passage, which allowed me the ability to drain the energy from the trauma of it and realign that energy in the direction of, okay, what, are we, what am I creating from this? What are we both creating from this? What's my son going to create from this? What am I going to create from this? Um, rather than both of us staying stuck in that trauma zone. We don't typically on this program talk a lot about some of the things that you're mentioning, the spiritual healing and the energy work. But what's really interesting is that we do know that recent advances in in neuroscience are showing parts of the brain that are impacted by this. So what was historically considered to be woo-woo and nonsense medical science is now starting to demonstrate that there is some efficacy for these things. So it's interesting. And certainly the way that you're conceptualizing trauma is often similar to different models that are used in psychotherapy in terms of dealing with trauma and releasing the, you're used the term energy, but it's, it's so interesting. So I, I'm thinking, you know, my, my psychological training is, is kind of like lighting up like Spidey sense here as you're talking about this sense. So it's, it's really interesting. And, and I'm grateful that you shared that the way that you did. So, yeah, I also want to just quickly say that one thing that happened for me after this happened was I actually started writing about it. And I've had, um, I have experienced EMDR through psychotherapy in, in my early part of my life, in my twenties, I, I came through, I wrote for a month and I realized a month later that most of the trauma, like the charge from the trauma was dissolved in the writing. And I realized I was actually doing EMDR on myself by recapitulating the storyline and, and doing the typing with both hands. I was actually creating that uh, opening in the corpus callosum, which is the bundle of nerves that uh, connect the left and right side of the brain to actually process this stock energy and these, the, the trauma emotions I was able to process them through with uh, with the writing. So, yeah. Um, so I, I have a background in both having had traditional psychotherapy as well as uh, the deep medicine work of uh, shamanic healing and the Healing the Light Body School that I attended in uh, 2005, 6, 7 time frame. Hey, guys. Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. So fascinating. And we could probably spend another hour on that, but I want to <laughs> jump us back. So you were, you were a mom, you were in real estate, but you're doing something radically different now. Totally. So talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So after I left real estate and had this big spiritual awakening, I ended up spending a couple of years. I had my own art gallery and healing art center. And the, the spiritual awakening, actually, all these latent parts of myself that I didn't even know existed started to show up. My artists started to, sh- I mean, I was very left brained. I was, you know, let's get all the numbers in the boxes and how many, you know, cases of nails do we need to order? And how many, you know, what are we going to do for the ad? Uh, run for the next month to get these houses sold. I was very left-brained and and the spiritual awakening opened up the right side of the brain for me. And so I found that I had uh, healing capacities and I found that I, I was an artist and a uh, performer and an author and all these like latent parts of myself started to emerge. And over time, what I ended up doing was I started to work in the internet space, um, helping other people to both awaken as well as to, um, you know, organize what was happening to them and their creative uh, output in ways that would allow them to actually make an impact and create wealth for themselves. So uh, what I do now as the Wealthy Life Mentor is I really help people to design a life that is a work of art. And I help men on purpose to get their message out to the world through my men on purpose podcast. And I help wickedly smart women get their message out to the world through my wickedly smart women podcast. But the core body of my work is really helping people convert their wisdom into wealth because we all have these life experiences and stories and wisdom that we carry that other people can benefit from. And so it's important to have the structure in place to be able to not only uh, get the message out to more people and share with more people and impact with more people, but also to be able to monetize that so that the wisdom actually gets stewarded and moved ahead for future generations. I love that because it's talking about the now and you're talking about legacy at the same time. How do you do that? So for somebody listening to this and the little light bulbs going off in their head as they're hearing this, what are some of the things you do to, to pull that out of people? Great question. Well, you know, I think it starts with listening and being a podcaster has been really a, a helpful uh, thing for me to do is to, to learn how to even deepen my listening even further. Um, one thing that I have found is really important when I'm working with my people is to take them through my wealthy life method. So the first thing we have to do is really get clear on um, what's not working, right? We have to wake up and walk away from what's not working. And so there's this process that I take people through of asking deep questions to help them really be real with themselves, to help them really be honest and authentic and truthful with themselves. And that's really where it starts because, you know, the truth is a lot of people are going around engaged in life and they know that there's parts that are not working, sometimes big parts that are not working. But there is this deep hesitation to move in the direction of what you really want when it requires the dismantling of what's not working and the facing of what's not working. And so um, that's where I really initiate with people is helping them to strip away everything that's in the way of of the legacy life that they're meant to lead. And what I also heard in that that struck me as interesting is you didn't say fix what's not working. You said walk away from. Talk to us about why that distinction. 
Yeah. Well, I think we live in a culture where everybody's looking for the fix. And and often the fix is not a fix. It's just a Band-Aid over the deeper symptom. You know, this, it's a Band-Aid over the symptom, but it's not getting to the root cause of whatever it is that's not working. And so if you, let's say, try and fix your, I'll just use addiction as, the, as an example. Let's say you try and fix your addiction with alcohol. Well, you stop drinking, but then you start shopping, right? You've just actually moved the addiction and you've solved maybe the surface level problem of the alcoholism, but you've moved the root cause that is still unsolved in another direction. Or maybe you stop the shopping and you become a workaholic, right? So it's getting at that underlying piece and then really doing the work of uprooting yourself from that core place and that core pattern that is keeping you in, it's like SSDD, you know, same, same shit, different day, right? Um, and for me, what happened when my son and I had that rite of passage, I actually made an intention and I made ceremony that day that I was uprooting myself from the toxic soil of abuse because my entire life story was was grounded and rooted in abuse. My dad was an abusive, raging alcoholic. You know, I've had issues with brother, boyfriends, husbands, and ultimately my son. And I I came to the understanding that I was the single unifying thread in all of that storyline and that my 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 being was rooted in this toxic soil of abuse. And so I went with intent and made ceremony to uproot myself from that toxic soil. And then this experience happened. And I literally had to walk away because I spent my whole life trying to fix it, Dr. Richard. And if you have spent your whole life trying to fix, and no matter what you do, it's not fixing it. It's just, it's like the target keeps moving you've got to walk away. You've got to kind of have that clean slate break, which I think the changing of my name actually helped that as well. It makes sense. And I I appreciate you expanding on that because, you know, that was my initial thought is that, you know, why not fix it? And now you've given an answer that makes a lot of sense. And actually from a clinical standpoint, there's a lot of evidence that, you know, the band-aids don't work, that we see people who go from one fad diet you know, to the next and it becomes obsessive. So totally making sense there. So, you know, we're listening to this. What's the next step? We've walked away. Yeah. Well, then we have to evaluate what we really want. And I will tell you, I was 38 years old before somebody said to me, well, what is it that you want? And I realized that I could even have wants of my own, right? So once we walk away from what's not working and we're really ruthlessly honest about that, now we do an evaluation process of what is it that you really want? And that is where we get deep into purpose. We get deep into uh, life experience and skills and what do you bring to the table? What are you called to do? How are you here to really serve? Why did you come to the planet? And, um, and this also is the place where permission has to come into form, right? Like you are allowed to be who you are. And you need to give yourself permission to be who you are. But I, as the mentor, will hold the space to facilitate that and to uh, have a, an environment of permission for what it is that you are really here to do and how you're here to be in the world and what contribution you're here to make. And so once we get clear on what we really want, 
Then the next step is to align your compass to really what your most efficient course of action is. And so we have this momentum we've built from year after year after year after year of behaving and, and being in patterns that aren't what we're really here to be. And now we've stopped that. We've drained the momentum from that. In the shamanic uh, world, we call that stopping, stopping the world. Like we've drained the, stopped the world and drained the momentum um, and then collapse that momentum tunnel, then get clear on what we want. Now we have to begin moving again. And once we begin moving, we need to have ways to course correct as we're going along with our desire, you know, with our wants as the, as the North Star, shall we say. We have to align our compass to what our, our wants are and, and what our contribution is that we're here to make, and then take those steps on a daily basis and sometimes on a moment to moment basis of um, asking like deeper questions of ourselves and also asking others who are part of the journey to um, energize this new momentum in this new direction together. So that's step three, aligning your compass to your most efficient course. Because we don't want to be like, if you spent 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years of your life going in the wrong direction, and now all of a sudden you've stopped that and you've gotten clear on the right direction, we want to be on the most efficient course. We don't want to be just like wandering and wondering for years, right? Because time, you know, we don't know what our time is. This is this is a loaded question that's going to dovetail right off that. Speaking of time, you've worked with hundreds of clients doing this work. What is has been your experience generally? How quickly does this stuff kind of take hold for the average person who works on this? Well, you know, it's got to be really the the people that I work with are. I call my people exceptional. They're just, they're simply exceptional people. And they come to me because they know that, that there's stuff that's not working. First of all, they've got to be in that place where they know that it's not working and where they're ready to fully go all in and invest in making the changes that they're here to make. So my people are exceptional. They're aware enough that they, they are ready to invest and they know they want to have support in this journey. And, and so those four things alone are, are the top qualifying pieces that my people come with. And then once we dive into the work, I actually have a 90-day program that I work with people. And by the time they come out, they're a different person. They are different than they came in and they have a course and they have a structure and a framework to stay on course that will allow them to really blossom and flourish into the life that is their destiny. I love that. I, I, I want to dovetail and, and t- I've said dovetail too many times in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> dove is peaceful. Dove is peaceful. Peaceful is my middle name. So we'll bring the dove in. All right, right on. So I, I, one of the things that I read in your intro was you mentioned that we're living in the creative age. And I'm curious, I, I want to spend some time there. Talk to us about that concept and what that means to somebody listening to this. Yeah, well, so we are evolving. We're evolving as a species and we're evolving culturally and societally. So if you look at the different ages, we had, I'll start at the agrarian age, right? We had the agrarian age where everybody was farming and on the earth. And, and then we moved from the agrarian age into the industrial age 
where everyone was in a factory. Well, now we have moved from the industrial age into the information age where it's all about the mental body and the mind and all, you know, how much information can we transmit to one another and, and uh, digest individually. And it's been like this creation zone of information. Well, I believe we're at the dawn of the creative age. And what the creative age does is it empowers each of us to access our own capacity as creators. And what we need to do is to dismantle a lot of the old conditioning that we received for those of us who grew up in the industrial and in the information age about what is of value and start to move into valuing our own vision, valuing our own calling that we are called to deliver into the world, valuing and and employing our creative power to create an entirely new landscape that has yet to be seen, right? So when the people moved from agrarian into industrial, those industrialists were actually creators. They created a whole system that we have been living under now for the last hundred and so years. And that system, if we look with honest eyes, is disintegrating. It's disintegrating across every field. The medical field isn't functional. The justice field isn't functional. The educational field isn't functional. The healthcare field isn't functional. Like all of the fields are showing us their high level of dysfunction. And so what happens is we need to be creating what is our evolved vision and what is the evolved structure from this old structure that is dismantling before our very eyes. And you can cling to the old structure, but the more you cling to the old structure, it's like being in in a rushing river and holding on to the rock, thinking that you're going to be saved. But the truth is that we are being asked as a species to evolve. And that means we need to be really owning our capacity to vision and to dream and to create what is new. And that includes being entrepreneurial which is something that you know you're demonstrating yourself, Dr. Richard. You're creating something out of nothing with this podcast. I, I heard a quote, and I think I read this, and, and the gist of this was, you know, in this technological age, it's never been easier to have a message, but because there's so many voices out there, it's never been more difficult for that voice to be heard. So how do you cut through the noise as a creator? Yeah. Great, great question. And um, how you cut through the noise as a creator is first of all, you really have to be authentic to your own creation. You cannot be a cookie cutter follower. Like you cannot say, oh, Gary V, we'll use him as an example. Gary V acts like this, right? I'll act like Gary V. And now you're like being a cookie cutter. You're not being authentic. So that automatically puts you off to the side. People are going to just blur away from, from that kind of behavior where you're trying to be industrial, like industrialized thinking says, let's mechanize this, let's systematize this, let's just copy this and copy and paste and copy and paste. Well, we can't do that in the creative age. So number one, we have to be authentically ourselves. Number two, we have to be exceptionally clear. And this is like, this is the sweet spot for me. I help people to get so clear about what their message is and who they're here to serve that they naturally are going to rise to 
vision for the people they're meant to serve. So I think the mistake, Dr. Richard, is that a lot of people think, oh, I want to be seen by everyone. No, thank you. I do not want to be seen by everyone. I only want to be seen by those people who are an exact perfect fit for what it is that I am here to deliver into the world. And anything else is literally a waste of energy. So if I'm spreading myself out over hundreds of thousands of views, but I'm making $12, what's the point? You know what I mean? So um, it's important to be clear. It's important to be authentic. And it's important to be absolutely on point with the right fit people and call them forth. Like I will call forth right now. The people that I work with are exceptional. The people that I work with have likely had some kind of spiritual awakening. The people that I work with are heavily invested. The people that I work with, are they are compelled to serve a global mission. Those are the people that I work with. And, you know, the person who's going to be, you know, building their next, um, I don't know, their next auto repair station, they're not my person, right? So we have to be willing to employ what I like to call skunk medicine. Skunk medicine is the medicine of repelling everyone who's not your people. And because you repel everyone who's not your people, you magic, it's almost like magic. You magically attract the other skunks because that smell that skunks emit is highly attractive to other skunks, right? So I call forth my skunks and I repel everyone who's not a skunk, right? Well, that sounds so interesting. And and I know that you have mapped out this strategy. This is part of your wealthy life method that that you walk people through this. And I I imagine that we've touched on some of these points over the, the course of our conversation. Talk to us about the important things that that we've missed so far that are important for people to understand about going through this kind of a journey. So there are basically four more steps in the wealthy life method. The steps are, uh, I'm going to give all seven so that you have them. Uh, Wake up and walk away from what's not working. Evaluate what you really want. Align your compass to your most efficient course. Let go and leverage so that you can lead. And leverage means, you know, getting all your resources to be in alignment to support you in bringing your vision into fruition. And then you've got to take measurements and tell yourself the truth. You have to have clear containers so that you can consciously create whatever it is you're creating moving forward from here. And then you're yielding. You're yielding results that allow for plenty of overflow. And so that's the wealthy life method in a nutshell. And for anybody who is interested in um, finding out more about the wealthy life method or welcoming wealth or creating a a life that's a work of art, a wealthy life that's a work of art, I actually have a quiz that you can take at quiz.wealthylifementor.com and um, that will show you where you're at in terms of whether or not you're ready for wealth and for a wealthy life. That's fun because I think a lot of people, if you ask them, are you ready for wealth? Who would say no to that? Of course, but as one goes through this quiz, perhaps they find that there's some things that they need to address before really being able to do that. Uh, Emerald, this has been a unique and fun discussion for sure. You mentioned the link to the quiz. We'll have that in the show notes. Tell us where people can find you and connect with you. Well, they can certainly tune into my two different podcasts, Men on Purpose is for Men and Wickedly Smart Women is for Women. 
Um, or they can go to the wealthylifementor.com. That's my, my main website. And that's where you can find all the fun things that uh, you can do to connect with me. I love it. I love it. Emerald, uh, there's one more thing that we have to address because as you know, everybody that comes on this show gets asked one question. And that is, what is your biggest helping, the single most important piece of information you'd like to share with somebody listening to this today? Yeah, I'm going to keep it brief. Clarity is divinity. So, you know, if you're feeling like you're lost in the clouds of confusion, get yourself clear and um, do it with, with help. Because if you're not asking for help, I think that was my biggest challenge, Richard, uh, Dr. Richard, was I just did not ask for help. So asking for help and uh, remember that clarity is divinity. Beautifully said. Emerald, thanks for coming on the show today. It has been phenomenal having you on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thanks as well to each and every one of you who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and this is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others. 